You're listening to the smartest podcast. We are smart as my name is Justin Loncarrot, and I'm with Joe Seiler. Here I am. There you are, Joe. Here I am. <laughs> but guess where you weren't? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this. This is uh, this is a special episode you're listening to because Ooh. I'm not really on it much. No, so, no, no, no. So you know what? Listenership will probably go through the roof maybe, on this one. Maybe. Maybe that's what will happen. Yeah. But we had an opportunity to get a guest Ooh. that I know Justin was excited about, and I was pretty jazzed about too, but I think more jazzed about having this guest on was my daughter was super mm. excited there you go. to have this guest on. Justin, tell me about who you're going to talk to. Uh, we've got Joanna from TikTok. Oh, Joanna. Just Joanna? We just like Joanna. No. Uh, Joanna uh, from TikTok? Joanna from TikTok. So Joanna has runs a TikTok page that has blossomed to 2.5 million followers. What is her TikTok page called? It's called Unlearn16, U-N-L-E-A-R-N-16, all one word. Go to TikTok and find her now. Yes, go now. And what I what caught my eye, I'll just I'll just give you a brief intro about her. She she's just a really outspoken, interesting person. She's a she's a a teacher in a private school in in North Toronto and just has some really awesome, interesting perspectives on teaching and kids and how things should be and i just i it just caught my eye because you know we have kids we experience what she's talking about from the parent perspective and um and she really has some interesting and she, you know what the best part about it is it all comes from a place of 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 caring and gratitude and and contribution where she's trying to do this to give back to the community and she's fucking entertaining as well she's great I probably shouldn't have sworn. Maybe we should bleep that out. <laughs> Serious. Because if her kids are going to listen to this, we don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. But um, at the end of the day, like, she's just awesome. We talked about a lot of stuff from from school and to, to the socialization of kids and, and, the, and the way kids are being treated in school and the way the government is treating our kids. It gets deep in a lot of ways, but it's all such great information and she's got a great story and she's just a great human and she's there to be awesome and help out and, and just, just bring light to some of the issues. So this is an episode that you're going to want to listen to. So here we go. Uh, let's get into it. Get into it. This is Justin with Joanna, Joanna for the next little while from un, from TikTok. 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 Unlearn 16. Let's get into it right now. Here we go. First of all, I'm, I'm just like fanboying out right now because <laughs> like, honestly, I mean, you must get that a lot. When Do you get noticed on the street? Yeah, yeah. It's becoming uh, pretty consistent, but it's always super lovely. I'm waiting for that time where I am i don't meet people that think me running my mouth consistently is a good thing. Right. I'm sure that's going to happen at some point. Uh, they're going to say, oh, I, I didn't like what you had to say or, you know, but I haven't I haven't hit that yet. We'll we'll see. I usually have amazing conversations with people about all sorts of things, actually. So it's it's quite lovely. What I like about your temperament as a whole is that you seem to you have an opinion but you bring it across in an educated and a really succinct succinct teacher can you help me <laughs> succinct way that that kind of like makes sense and it, it you can't I find it hard to argue with that. Like, you know how there's some people like, I don't yeah. want to name names, but Trump people, sure. um, you know, Trump, Trumpsters uh, that are just like, oh, uh, you know, this and this. Uh, and you're like, well, what's your, what's your, like, prove it. Like, there's no proof. Yeah. Your, your information comes from fact. Well, 
you know, I think, and I, and I mean, I, I think the reality is, um, first of all, I don't usually make TikToks angry. So a lot of people are like, how do you never, I go, I just don't record that day. It's quite simple. They, I just don't hit record or if I record something, I just don't post it. Um, obviously we don't have that luxury in life. Sometimes we get to situations where, um, you know, anger overtakes. Um, I also think that most conversations are nuanced. I don't think there's there are very, very few things that are cut and dry, this or that, right or wrong. I think most things exist somewhere in the gray. And I think the more we can have reasonable conversations about it, the better off we'll be, you Mm. know. And and I think when you see politicization or of of education in a lot of ways. Don't get me started. I listened to your episode of Lecce's Destruction. Well, but it's just like you, you utilize images like, and I think of DeSantis and now it's just seeping up here, right? Because we have protesters all over the place and you think, you know, they, they show these books. And first of all, I've been an educator for 20 years. I've never once seen any of these books. They're talking about having (laughs) said that, let's assume that some, somewhere in some school library they're sitting in right now, I've never actually seen the books and you only see the, you know, the title. I kind of want to go buy them all, whatever they are, (laughs) they've been banned so I can see what they're talking about. But what I find humorous about them is, you know, why are we not dealing with the reality of the day? We're all talking about books and banning books as though we can, by the way. Oh, Amazon. (laughs) Amazon. And let's also assume just as a rational human being that we've been trying to get kids to read for ever they're not reading these like they are going to go to the Internet and they are going to find whatever it is they want to look at how whenever they want to. And we're not dealing with that. Right. Nope. We're sitting here and this is what politicians are doing. They're distracting the narrative. They're saying, look, we can control this because it's teachers faults and it's these books faults." when in actuality, those books are trying to address some of the most offensive and debased and problematic things that a 10 year old can find with three seconds with a phone. Uh, Listen, I am terrified about what my kids are watching online. I just don't know. Yeah. And I don't know how I can even control it in my own house. Well, there's the, there's the reality is right. You can't control it. And the more that we pretend as though we can, the more dangerous it becomes. So like, if you, for example, I know I mean, you're not this person, but if, if you said, okay, fine, no cell, like a Matt Walsh, no cell phones, no computers, I'm going to lock you up at home and uh, I'm never going to, right? When that happens, at some point, those kids are going to step outside of their house. Mm. At some point, their friend's phone or computer is going to become available. And then nobody would have had they would have they would have simply said this isn't for conversation. Nobody would have had the important, serious, painful, sometimes embarrassing, sometimes conversations that need to be had living in this world. We're living it. If you want to live in, live in like M. Night Shyamalan, you know, when he was, you know, that, that what was it? The village? The village. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Matt Walsh wants to create his own village. Mm. He can pretend that none of that happens yeah. and he's going to create this sphere of death so his kids never leave there. Um, you're going to have to address it. Do you find that the kid, the kids, like in general, because I mean, you must get an understanding, per, like in your classes and things, of the kids that tend to have more strict parents versus not in general, like especially when you talk to the parents on a regular basis. But 
Um, do you find that the kids that are more restricted are the ones that act out more? I don't know if they act out more. I just don't think they're restricted. Yeah, well, this so, is my point is that you example. think they yeah. think that the parents think that they're doing all these things to like I have I we have a I don't want to name names. We have a friend that that they their kid goes to bed at a certain time. It's very restrictive. And I'm like, that's the kid that's going to be sneaking out at night, like trying to get a break out of those rules rather than being a little more casual with certain things. Because I feel like, first of all, like no handbook for being a parent. Right, like no, no what like, a what a terrible. I got a fifteen-year-old, and I have no idea how to how to talk. Like, I walked in on him this morning. I don't know what he was doing. The cover went one way. I don't know what was going on. I'm like, ah. So, so, so but my point is, is that like, you know, like how do we how, we there's there's a middle ground of like there has to be what we restrict versus what is available just regularly for free in what we're talking about online. Every all these things. And, and knowledge is not one of those things. No. I've no. never believed that knowledge, that access to information is one of those things that we should ever restrict. Um, and I think that the more that we try to do that, the more dangerous the situation becomes. You well, know, it's a, a slippery of, slope, right? Yeah, slippery sure. Slope. Listen, and you don't think there's a lot, a lot of people will, will ask me questions like, well, Joanna, you want to censor people. I'm like, no, no, kind of. I, I don't. You know, I would like idiots to have big, big microphones, yeah. let them say everything they need to say. My problem is when you see a level of dehumanizationing happening, let's not pretend as though that's not the first step to genocide. Oh, it, yes. <laughs> let's not let's not pretend as though having free speech and saying those things and dehumanizing a certain population doesn't have a very succinct line to doing some awful, awful things. You said succinct properly, which I appreciate. <laughs> Sorry. It's supposed to be a little bit fun on this podcast, just so you there know. You this doesn't yeah, have yeah, to yeah. be completely. No, 100%. You're, you're right on. There is the, the, the history shows this. Right. right. Like history like outlines this to a T. Like go look at like what was Hitler doing right like back in the day there was piles right. of burning books <laughs> you know? let's not let's not burn books and I mean that quite literally and I also mean that metaphorically sure if you want to talk and people will say all the time oh well Joanna just teaches whatever they think I teach and I'm like you're not getting it all ideas are on the table in my room uh -huh. all ideas if I have a conservative student they put their ideas on the table if I have a a uh, religious student, their ideas go on the table. Sure. Whatever the ideas are, they get to go on the table. My restriction is only when you start to utilize those ideas to um, create some semblance of hate and violence. That's my line. I think that's a legitimate, rational line. Agreed. I've been I've been surveying, like you know, or monitoring debates on abortion for twenty years. Kids on this side say pro-life, kids on this side. And I, I can see it. You see it increasing in volatility. Um, and they don't, it's not so much anymore. I've seen a real change in sort of culture of students lately. But my, my reaction is always this. You can have an opinion. You can have, but I, I prefer an educated one. Um, you can stand by it. You can back it up. You, but backing it up with emotion uh, um, is not an argument. So you need to find real ways to back up what you're saying. 
you know, and as much as I don't want to ju- jump into an, uh, an abortion debate, there there can be real arguments made to have that legitimate discussion. But that's not what people do. What do people do? Well, they have pictures of, you know, heaven only knows what on signs to scare people. They have 10 year olds in Ohio that, you know, whatever that she's faced. I don't want to get too deep on or too uh, descriptive on your podcast, but. And we use them as as these symbols, right, to, again, not talk about the issue, but to incite animosity, division and hate on both sides to elevate that without actually talking about what's going on. And I have, so I have a couple of questions down that road that kind of twig when you were talking. You mentioned the students' opinions on abortion. Yeah. How... I don't know how to ask this. It's not a weird question, but I'm, I'm trying to get to the base of students have opinions and when are we going to realize that like when are we going to actually use their opinions for real and they're intelligent right right you know what their opinions it's so funny everybody likes to negate opinions of youth because they're idealistic Mm. maybe we should listen to that (laughs) there's something to be said for the naivety and simplicity isn't tied to a to a job Mm. it isn't tied to a partner it isn't tied to your personal uh, benefit in a scenario maybe maybe those are the opinions we should be listening to more and kids are really free with it mm. right like <clears throat> kids don't understand certain concepts because it hasn't been trained into them every time i talk about indigenous history come grade six and grade seven and we talk about what's been done honest to god this is the look on most of the kids faces like what? really <laughs> holy shit what <laughs> why would they do and it's genuine. Mm. Why would they do that? Mm-hmm. Why would they? Why would that be their goal? It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't, you know. And that genuine confusion is really, really important to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they start having. They have great. We've had. Um, they've had. I mean, more discussions than genuine debates on things like abortion. But like, you can have a genuine, interesting powerful conversation about when does life begin Hmm. you can have a genuine interesting dialogue about that if you're gonna like separate everything else for a second and just talk about that and and bring in all of the ways that we define life and that we qualify life and then we give power to life i think it's all amazing you want to know what the kids get to eventually they'll say things like why don't we have as many rights as our parents (laughs) <laughs> wow wow they're not lying no kids are property my kids how many times do you have to hear that my kids my kids my kids when does my kids become property and control over another living entity that your values and your ideals get to supersede maybe what they want or or in some cases, what's even best for them, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I don't need to be incredibly religious here, but there are religions, for example, who don't agree with blood transfusions. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. So my faith gets to supersede their life? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And they don't have a choice in it. Well, they don't. No. It's their property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all of that is very, and that's what we're really coming up against. I think in places when we talk about education, we talk about Florida, we talk about some issues surrounding the trans trans community. Everything is all about parents feeling as though 
they don't have the same hold over their kids um, because their kids are starting to gain access to all of this knowledge and it scares the crap out of them. And instead of just saying, I, I'm st- listen, I want my kids growing up to think the same way I think. That's what they want. I want, if I had kids and I don't have kids and everybody's like, well, you don't have kids, so you don't understand. Uh, well, listen, I want my kids to have better thoughts than I have. Mm. I want my students to be smarter than I am, mm. to be wiser, to be able to pull on different things. I grew up in an era of, you know, the 90s with every bias and prejudice that came with that, that I've had to start unlearning and I've had to start throwing out. Whereas if all of this stuff was put on the table in the first place, we're all the more stuff on the table, the better off we are. And I just think like I'm really, really um, tired of it. But I understand a parent's fear mm. that that they can't control the lives of their kids. And if they can't control it, are their kids going to be safe and help happy and healthy? Let's assume that's everybody's goal. Let's take out the really, you know, their goal is healthy, happy kids who are living a good life, who make a good living, who have a family, who do all of these things. And as a parent, if I can't protect my kid from whatever, um, then I'm failing and I'm not doing my job. I understand that real fear. What the parent doesn't understand is things like the book burning is a pretense of security. Sure. Is an illusion, right? Because the only thing that's going to protect your kid is your kid having the power, the autonomy, the intelligence, the access to power that they deserve and they should have to stand up for whatever it is, you know? The book burning is one of those friggin' blanket, overreach, big show items to try to draw people in. It really doesn't accomplish much, in my opinion. Of course it doesn't, no. But but it's like, look at what we've done for you, right? And people are like, oh, thank you so much for protecting our children. And Illusion of security, yes. Yeah, so at the end of the day. Conservatives are great at doing. Yeah, and I think that's complete bullshit. Like I said, fine line heading that direction. Um, Let's switch direction slightly here. So you've been a teacher for 20 years. I've seen your TikToks, obviously, which is sort of what brought you to this podcast because we're, we, my, I love you. And my kids watch you. Joe's kids love you. She wants, uh, his daughter wanted me not to mention her name, but to say that she loves you. So, um, we'll say thank you to Joe's daughter. We will, we will. Um, so she, so I guess my question is, and I've been sort of thinking about this because I watch your TikToks and see your classroom. It looks like a very non-traditional classroom. Yeah, not at all. Like it's like there's different chairs. There's all kinds of different like things around sort of. Uh, so my question, I guess, becomes how did you do, like like anything like I sell real estate and I develop my style of doing things that I do because of my parents and because of the people around me that I surrounded myself with. Who was your mentor? How did you develop your style of teaching? Because and and I guess the second part of that question is as we go along, because I can let you just go with this. Uh, is you ever had any pushback from parents or or the school boards or anything like that for the things that you've done over the years? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I work in a small private school, so I don't. I am not any in a union. I am not bound by the same kind of restriction. If I was in a union and I was working for the public board, I could not have TikTok like this. Right. I wouldn't that's be. What able I was to. wondering. I. I you yeah. Know, that's interesting. I yeah. wouldn't be able to. Um, the school that I work for, it, it it was by luck. A lot of people are like, 
you know, they, they see me promoting public education in support of unions and teachers. Uh, and then I'm working for a private school. I, I said, absolutely. It was by chance. Right. Public board wasn't hiring. A friend of a friend said this school was hiring. I, I applied. I didn't think I got the job because the owner and I fought for 40 minutes about teachers union. <laughs> <laughs> I left in pretty much. Years calling my mom saying, I don't know what happened just no, now. Down here. <laughs> but, uh, I didn't get that job. And my mom's like, what are you talking about? And um, he eventually called me up and offered it to me. He gave it a week. I think he looked hard just mm-hmm. to find somebody. But I think he enjoys, he enjoyed a healthy intellectual, thank God, mm-hmm. um, conversation. And, and it wasn't a quiet one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I think he likes that. So right away, I found myself in a school that was very relatively unorthodox, that was very politicized in a lot of ways, that a lot of things were put on the table. We we had a diverse, brilliant staff, still mm-hmm. do. Um, and I think that gave me the energy and the freedom and uh, a different sort of mentality to sort of build out who I who I was really um, in that kind of school environment, right? Nobody was afraid in that school to have a discussion with me, to have a discussion with my, my principal, um, you know, and I'm not saying we've always done it perfectly. Like (laughs) there's never been perfect. I've told stories on TikTok where I'm like, that went sideways. And I tell that story and I'm like, had I been a teacher longer, I would have seen it coming. Had I known you know, different trigger points or had I, you know, cause it's all about mitigating escalation mm-hmm. in, in schools because kids are under a lot of pressure and kids have their own lives and their own dramas that they bring to the classroom. And as a teacher, I think one of my primary roles should be see who's coming into your class, recognize what they're coming in with. I'm not saying baby it. I'm not saying wrap them in bubble wrap. I'm saying don't be blind to it. There's a happy medium between those two, right? You never push a kid. You push them too hard. You you let them have all the freedom in the world. You give them none. I'm talking about nuanced middle ground. Mm-hmm. And if I, in my younger years, if I had been a little bit more aware, like 20 years ago, nobody was talking about mental health. Mm-mm. No, nobody. So you had kids with drug problems or alcohol problems or family problems or whatever, ADHD. You had kids with dyslexia and you didn't know any of it. And those were just the troubled kids that you dealt with this way. Right. Mm. That a lot of people are like, well, we have so much more now. I'm like, no, we don't. No, we don't. We just are identifying it now. I, I truly 20 years I've been teaching. I truly believe that. Um, Because you know what I'm seeing a lot less now, at my school anyways, a lot less serious drug habits. Like, you know, kids, a lot, nobody's sneaking in alcohol into school. Like, that's what, when we were in school, Mm. kids would do that all the time. The smoking section. Oh, everybody knew who the drug dealer was and everybody, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I'm seeing less, um, which is interesting to me. Very, very interesting. Uh, I'm not saying it obviously never happens. I'm just seeing less of it. Because I think that mental health is being handled in a very different way. So the kids who maybe would have self-medicated mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. would have felt so out of place and would have felt so anxious and would have felt so horrible doing whatever they needed to do to get them through their high school day, 
they don't do it anymore and they talk about it, then they talk about the antidepressant they're taking or the ADHD medication they're taking or whatever. They'll talk about it. So I think that's, you know, a complete change. So all of these factors sort of allowed me, I think, to just gradually build. And again, it's the school, um, but it's also a small school. So I need to acknowledge, A, it's a privileged one in the sense that we have money in our school. So that helps. But that doesn't change the nature of the student, by the way. Mm-hmm. And B, um, it's a small school. So the idea of classroom managing, the idea of of what I just said, knowing who's walking into your door, yep. becomes more capable. I'm more capable of doing that because I have a much smaller class size. Because I know when I step outside of my classroom, who's supposed to be on spare? I know most, all the kids that go to the school... Um, and it gives me the ability to really manage and make sure when you see a kid that's off to go, hmm, that kid's always in the gym every single day at lunch playing basketball. Today, he's sitting alone by himself on his phone. Huh? So you ask. And just by simple, just by that, just by that. I think like everything shifts. So not to perfection, but so one of the things I've been learning about is communication. And I've really found that in relationships, all over all kinds of relationships, communication Mm. is the most important thing. And when you think about my experience as a kid and how it was with my parents, how it was with my teachers growing up, I think it was always like them and us. Right. The teacher. Oh, did he? Oh, go hide. Come on. The teacher. Come on. You know what I mean? It was, it felt a lot like that. You never wanted to talk to the teachers about anything. Now there were some teachers probably like yourself and others around you, um, that were able to break through that barrier and have, um, really intimate in a teacher way relationships with these students that allowed them to open up and talk. I mean, we see movies about this kind of thing. I mean, they make movies about this stuff. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, communication is so important, but being able to recognize and stepping out of your teacher role in a, a little bit. I mean, I'm sure most teachers don't think of themselves as the person that has to manage people's mental health or notice a kid sitting over there by themselves. I would love to not have that job because yeah. I find it wickedly stressful. Right. I mean, how by much pressure way, is that? I'm not qualified for. Right. Well, Steve Lecce in Ontario has just demanded that everybody now that mental health is going to be in the curriculum. Where was the education? Hey, listen, <laughs> I'm going to do it. That's fine. Yeah. But it's ridiculous to think that mental health doesn't require more education to teach. Mm-hmm. And what, my history degree? <laughs> I need, wait a minute, I need four years of politics <laughs> in university to teach high school politics, but I need nothing to add a week of mental health and what, just sit down and talk about depression like I know what the hell I'm talking about? Mm. What a, well, what and a, how many teachers are probably going through it and suffering and having to now turn around and talk about it? What a bull crap waste of you can swear on here absolute <laughs> garbage yeah. you want to change something you know what he should have done which he wouldn't have done because heaven forbid this is going to cost money and i've said it before put a psychologist in every school mm. let them once a semester or however long pull sections of the school and talk about mental health in a real clinical amazing educated way do not ask your phys ed teacher <laughs> 
to it's just it's it's but this is the terrifying crap as a parent that we're dealing with because i'm seeing this from the outside looking in and i genuinely feel powerless for it like because Mm -hmm. as much as you want your vote to count right in some ways it it doesn't feel like it does when you have morons like this doing this stuff let's be honest right um yeah it's a it's a tough one I don't think something like, look, look, I don't think me talking about mental health, like, let's say he says, okay, a week, a year in gym class, you talk about mental health. I don't think it's causing damage, personally. Mm. I think raising it is good. Of course. I just don't think it's transformative in the way they are pretending it will be. Again, it's another blanket, big statement just to make people feel good about it. Yes. But it's not effective in, in its actions is really the point that you're trying to make here, which I love. It can't be. It can't be. It can't be. No. And again, if he would have said, listen, we're going to take whoever's going to do this course is now going to have to take. But let's be honest. Like, I also hate all of those like little side teachers courses, you know, like the AQ courses and like me taking a weekend to learn how. To, are you joking? A weekend? <laughs> a weekend. Why did I take four years in history? Or whatever I did, politics and history. Like what? It's ridiculous to think that. You know what? They should turn. You know, it would have been an amazing thing. I don't want to give you know them any ideas. Um, God forbid. <laughs> two years, teachers. Two years of teachers' college now, which is asinine. In my opinion, an entire year should be child psychology, mental health. Go ahead, do that. I'll be blown. Do that. Interesting. And then say. And now, now you get to go in the classroom and do everything I had to do when I was in teacher's college, which, by the way, was an absolute waste of time as well. But nonetheless, Mm. do the year, the year of at-risk students, the year of mental health, the year where, you know, different experts come in and talk about what you notice and when you're supposed to address it and how you address it and where do you go and how do you contact parents and what do you do when the parents are the issue? Mm. What do you do when a kid comes to, you know what I mean? Like all of different things. Everybody thinks it's so freaking easy. You sit there, you see a kid walk in with a bruise and you have to, as a teacher, which is so friggin' scary, decide, is this, I fell down and hit myself or is this my dad punched me yeah and when i decide that either way that's a big goddamn decision so let's not even get into the gun control situation in the u.s with the teachers and what they're asking them to do there i really don't want to go there (laughs) in my head it's all like taped under the desk (laughs) i know (laughs) like like when you see those old westerns and they have a big shotgun underneath the desk it's ridiculous like it's just so asinine it doesn't you think make if, I, sense. if i was holstered with weapons kids would be on time <laughs> i mean maybe so you did a you you're doing an art project with your class now i just noticed and oh yeah it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a really cool amazing project like what you did in your little tiktok the the other day yeah. was just By so the beautiful way, just so everybody knows my kids are doing it but my kids can't be on film right so i will show their hands right but yes. I won't put them on film. So every, like, like when I'm try- yes. sort of, I was pretending, by the way, just FYI, I pretended, I already traced them. It was already, already done that, that other part, just to give you the, the idea context. of what the process yeah. was. Yeah. It was like, are you doing it or are the kids doing yeah. it? And I'm like, it's, just, it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, but you mentioned a couple of quotes and I'm going to throw them your way and maybe we're a little deep, but I love this. Um, 
I want to know what it means to paint your truth. Oh God, you. isn't that amazing? I love that I quote. Just, I didn't know a lot about Frida until I started teaching. And I had a friend who was on staff with me who just loved her. And I started learning a little bit about her and her politics and her art. Um, I think what it, it it's it's quite beautiful and it's and I almost find it mirroring, for example, Einstein. This notion that everything is relative. Mm-hmm. The the idea that a lot of people will paint the scariest thing that that has ever had, you know, that that they'll fixate on the scariest thing, and some people will paint what their dreams are, what they wish would be, mm. but not a lot of people paint their reality. And the only re- way you can paint your reality is pe- painting your truth, because as everybody likes to say, there's this big overarching truth. They're really quite there. There is to a certain level, but nothing that matters. Every interaction I have with everybody on this planet in my head will be recorded in a particular way that is built upon all of my previous experiences and educations and interactions. And then I'm going to interpret that data and it's going to live in my head that way. Whereas somebody else would have had a totally different experience. How the hell do we negate separate truths? Right? Because then I walk through this world with that perspective. They say, 40% 40% of our happiness is genetic. Huh? <laughs> 40% of our happiness is genetic. That's an insane stat. And that's basically pointing to the fact that even before all of the stuff I just described, mm-hmm. 40% of who you are going to be has already been formulated. And it's been decided for you. And the reality that Every single person is going to have that 40, that 40% is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what's powerful about it. I think, and that's what inspires people about art. And I think that's what pisses people off about art mm-hmm. is because there is no one idea. There is no clear answer. And I think the whole world right now, because we have so much access to information and so much access to choice are spinning with the reality that's always been the reality that there's no one way mm. that there's no 10 step process there's no jordan peterson i make my bed in the morning and the whole world lays out before me that doesn't exist mm. and when we say it and we admit it it's freaking terrifying mm. and that's why the trans debate to be honest outside of people raging against medical intervention that they don't understand Outside of that, people's, if they admitted it, the notion that gender is a social construction and we should be chucking it out the window, not sex, gender, Mm -hmm. terrifies everybody because our primary source of socialization, our foundational sort of ways we've been raised, these are girls, these are boys. We're not identifying so we know which race to run in. We're identifying it so... We know how to dress them, act towards them, what language to use to describe them, and how we are supposed to interact with them based on that reality. And if I blow that up, I have just blown up the foundational realities of so many different people. Not like, Across racial lines, religious lines, it doesn't matter. I have blown up sort of this primary underpinning. And it scares people to say... They don't sit in a box. 
Well, if they don't sit in a box, what am I supposed to do? You know, I think the thing that I struggle with the most is that it's so much easier to be kind. And people go out of their way to be assholes all the time. Yeah. And, and I told this story the other day. I posted a video of uh, a, a new house we listed, and it's a fun video, kind of whatever it is on my TikTok. And one of the comments I got was overpriced. Right. But I didn't put the price on the listing on the video. Oh, so they didn't even know. They didn't even know the price. This person went out of their way and took effort to, okay, what is that, like 10 letters or 12 letters or whatever? Who gives a shit? But they said over, they didn't know, but they went out of their way and they spent effort on that. And to me, that's the epitome of what's happening right now. People are going out of their way to be, to spread, this is your word, by the way, vitriol and, and, and bull crap or bullshit. We can swear on this podcast if you want. It's up to you. I don't know if you're worried about your kids listening, but no, 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 no. We, 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 I mean, at the end of the day, like, I don't understand. It's just so much easier and nicer and it feels so much better to be kind to people. And yet we're so full of hate. Not we, I mean, not you and me necessarily, but so many people are so, so full of hate. And I'm I, so disappointed in that as a, as a society. Like, why the fuck do we still deal with racism the way we do? Why do we, well, why can't we let people just be who they want to be? You know, like, I, it's so disheartening as, a, as like to see the direction our planet is going right now. Right. It's, it's just sad. And I don't want to like bring down the podcast because we've had a lot of kind of negative talk a little bit here, but at the end of the day, like just be nice to people, spread kindness. I think it's very hard for people to do what you're asking of them when they're afraid. Mm. And I think one of the prizes is so funny because I'm, I'm talking about, uh, I'm going to be starting to tape a show with uh, Vanessa Marcel in the summer and we're going to be doing a, sort of a 12 episode YouTube run. Um, and one of the things we really, really want to discuss, which I think is a thing that drives a lot of hate. I know this sounds very Star Wars-ish. Um, <laughs> is shame. Mm. Is what are we ashamed of? What, what went on in our past? What's gone on? What happened in our family? What things do we hide? And, and, and are we aware of them? And when we hide them, how do they manifest? And I honestly believe, I don't believe in the whole, you know, if you're homophobic, you're secretly gay. I believe that if you're, if you are leading with rage and, and anger, you are hiding shame. And that shame doesn't necessarily mean you're instantly gay. It means you've been conditioned. You have been at some point in your life taught to be ashamed which is such a horribly powerful, destructive force. Because the worst part is about you, you can't talk about it. Mm, agreed. That's, that's the number one. It's like Fight Club. You don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And when you don't talk about it, it runs you. Yep. Right? And that's what's terrifying when you talk about what's going on in Florida. You change sex education laws. Because a lot of it has, you know, surrounds sexuality and surrounds physical health and all of those things. Mental health. It is shame. And when you tell kids they can't talk about it, you create secrets and shame that are going to run them for a very long time. And I believe most people from my generation, I mean, we didn't go to therapy. Stupid. Nobody does that, right? No. You live with it. You shut up and you do your job or you have your family 
and whatever, whatever those, those, you know, the younger kids talk about triggers, whatever the things that trigger you, you don't use the word. You just learn to, to remove yourself from that situation. You don't deal with the issue or like some people do, you medicate out of it or, and the more destructive one, you, you react Mm -hmm. violently, either verbally or physically or whatever. But you're still dealing with the same crap, mm-hmm. the shame you can't put on the table, right? The things we're not allowed to talk about, you know, I, and I just, and, and it's so true. It's like people used to say, you know, you go to dinner, you don't talk about religion or politics. Why? Why? <laughs> Because it causes problems because people will never agree. And this is the Here big challenge. Go. Now we start having arguments that, that now family members aren't talking for the next six weeks because they uh, get mad at each other. And this is where you cannot hang the, the I, I'd like to think it's social media and the keyboard warriors type mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all part of it where it's kind of created this thing where people feel like they have this, they can just say whatever the hell they want, whenever they want. Um, and when they start bringing up this stuff, their opinion is bigger and better than everybody else's it's and that's where the challenge lies it's like you know people are allowed to have opinions i appreciate other people's opinions it it creates diversity they may not be right or they may be partly right who knows that's probably more likely yeah but i think the point is is that like how why is it my job to change everybody else's opinion at some point like yeah. I, I want to have a constructive conversation where we meet in the middle and decide and sort of and 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 talk in a way that is, you know, eloquent and 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 we meet and that's and that's important and the communication there is important. This comes back to communication, being able to talk, you know. And and the problem is like again, I, I just personal experience. I put a note on someone's Facebook post about food and eating and stuff like that, saying that you know basically food is the number one thing that you can start with in order to lose weight. I've been through this journey for the last two years. I'm, you know, hormone stuff. Not exercise. Everybody's like exercise, exercise. It's not exercise. Like, let's go run 40 miles. No, it doesn't work. Um, It it helps. I mean, no one would ever tell you not to move your body, but the reality is, is the extra Big Mac you're eating all, you know, isn't helping. So, Actually, I have shares of McDonald's, so I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to re- um, excuse me, that's not to fame. I McDonald's. was just going to say, we're going to have that conversation in a second. Cause, but so, so I think the reality is, is that, uh, you know, I put, I posted something and some, some lady underneath goes, well, you're not a woman. So you don't understand hormones and three kids and all these things. And, da, da, da. and I'm like, whoa, 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 the original poster didn't say if they were a man or a woman, it was an anonymous yeah. post. And I'm just saying like. I I completely understand that one size doesn't fit all when it comes to these things. And there are medical issues that cause problems. But the reality is, is that people in comas tend to lose weight, you know, yeah. like, cause they're not we, eating. <laughs> eating healthier is better. Right. Exercise you can't argue with that. Is better. <laughs> right. Now, if we're going to talk about hormones and all of that kind of stuff, absolutely. That's going to be, th- it's funny because I'm 47. So heaven help me. I'm sure I'm right around Perry, at least pre-menopause rolling into it right Mm. and um one of the episodes we're going to talk i'm going to go to like an endocrinologist and we're going to talk about because nobody talks about it nobody does nobody talks about it and and vanessa said joe is there anything we can't talk about on this show i said no no why Mm -hmm. if we stop being so shamed about what yes and this is the problem Let's talk about hormones. And How much oxygen am I supposed to have? 100%. I don't know. 
And someone made the point of saying on a on a video I saw recently because my wife's going through the menopause stuff right now too. And the menopause. The menopause. The she's menopause. she's English, so we don't talk about stuff. I'm not even allowed to say this on the podcast. I'm so the British family. There you go. They don't even they don't even hug. No, exactly. So so she's going through this stuff, and she's going to see you know specialists and things like this. I'm doing the same thing, but for me to get what I needed because my testosterone level was incredibly low last year. We, we realized after some major testing um, wow. uh, and I'm only 43, so I'm not like super old, but I'm not like super young. It just happens for many yeah, reasons. You like, can't so control it. But again, people are shamed. Like men are ashamed to admit these things. Sure. It's stupid. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, my wife goes, everybody knows you're on testosterone. I'm like, yeah, cause I don't give a shit about talking about it. And that's, and that that's should be what it. We should do. Yeah. We should talk about it. We should put it on the table. Yes. We should, Saying, listen, are there things like, and you can do them more holistically or, mm-hmm. or chemically, it depends, but are there things we can do that makes me feel better, that makes my body work better? Sure. That, and I'm going to say it out loud, makes me look better. Mm-hmm. Like that I can do as I get older without resorting to, because I'm not one for, I, listen, you want plastic surgery? Have at it. I've seen how they do a nose job. No I don't thanks. want any. No, thanks. It's yeah. terrifying. I agreed. I would much rather figure out <laughs> how can I build something that, you know, and I know a lot of people are like, but Joanna, you eat McDonald's every day. Well, you know what? I want to pull for that. That's mm-hmm. what I want. Mm-hmm. I want to eat McDonald's every day. I'm just joking, but I kind of I'm, I'm with you. Keep um, eating it because I own shares. We're good. But I just <laughs> think that, I just think that these are big things to, to have conversations about, right? Mm-hmm. And, in a real in a real way not in a way in which because i also want to be cognizant of the fact that a lot of people ask my medical opinion all the time especially about the tra- well about the trans issue mm. and i always say dude not my area no. <laughs> i school for politics mm. i did not go to school for deciding when a child or somebody under 18 deserves to have gender affirming care. Mm. That is so outside my Mm. wheelhouse. I don't even, I can't see where the wheelhouse is. Um, And, you know, when it comes to, to medical things, we live in a world where I can Google, you can Google, we go to our doctor and we tell them what we have. Well, that's dangerous, but it's also dangerous to blindly sit in front of your doctor and listen to whatever they have to say, because they're just one person. It's one person and they're generally generally a generalist in that scenario they're not a specialist exactly yeah. actually this this uh, video i was watching before they said if uh, menopause was a male problem it would probably be solved already and that's not untrue i mean there's a lot of because I, listen it was way easier for me to get on what i'm on yeah than it has been for my wife's journey to get where she's at yeah and there's and there's so much more information for me than there is for now i think more and more is coming out for for females but it's it's very interesting um mcdonald's uh, let's what um, is let me ask you this i love fast food too i i don't know the mcdonald's app was a game changer for me did you hear did you have you been to, have you done the uh the the uh, well done hash brown yet no have you tried that you have to try a well done hash brown ask for it well done you're gonna love it i promise because you that. it's smoking hot when they bring it out it's, it's never super crispy yeah. Super. Yeah. That's what you're looking for. Instead of that floppiness that they send it out with. Never mind. For the extra fat. Yeah. Extra I fat. Agree. You got, come on. We only live once, right? Um, favorite fifteen dollar meal. Let me hear it. Which Wendy's. was it, with Wendy's for sure. Dude, the baked potato. Wendy's that's has it. a value meal that is 
unrivaled. That's what everybody, everybody thinks I'm lying in these, by the way. They're like, you'd never get that much food. I'm like, this is what I got. But mm. Wendy's has a value meal that is unrivaled. Um, then, And the second one probably would be KFC. Mm. Mm. Lots of food in one box, I guess, is what you're saying. And different things. That's what, you know what? This is like variety of food. If you can tell me, you know, you're sitting at a drive-thru and I'm like, you know what? I want like three nuggets. I want a small fry. I want a hamburger. You know, and you just need them to be small because you want, you don't want to overeat, but you just want small little portions Mm -hmm. of everything. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. That's the menu I'm after. That's actually healthier (laughs) than eating. (laughs) Um, I have, I have a, a, a little rant that I can go on. Um, I hate permission forms. I genuinely uh, do. I've had about 17 of them this year and they're not just like one page. They're whoa, like 70 pages page. each. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Why can't we digitize these? It's the litigious nature. I think some boards have digitized them. <sighs> My school still gives me a paper check. We are not digitizing anytime in the near future for whatever uh, reason. It's ridiculous. But the, the reality of this permission form is it's all to do with getting sued. Right. Yeah, if but I don't mind the signing of it, but there's got to be some way that we can blanket it and say, I am giving you permission. Like, okay, you know, there's got to be a way. I also think that permission forms really wouldn't stand up in court anyways. I don't I would agree with that statement. Well, I was signing my mom's name in grade 10. <laughs> I would agree. So with that. every, you know what I mean? Yep. There it, it usually and and they usually didn't read them and in you oh i haven't read I maybe not. it's not a binding contract like what no. are we doing no um yeah, but like, i think it's part and parcel to that right i mean but schools have changed so much over the last 20 years i can't i still take my kids a lot of places like going to the blue jay game is annoying and the permission forms but like i've taken 20 kids to tanzania oh wow yeah, I've taken 15 That must have been kids. a few sheets on, on the permission form. <laughs> and the reality was teachers were going, but it wasn't a metro trip. You know what I mean? Right. It was with, I know bad words, me to we. Um, but it was with that company. So it was like you were, that's who is, that's who right. the contract. Right. Fair, fair. But yeah, because you're always like, what could happen? And stuff happens on every trip. The, the first day of that trip, a kid didn't stop throwing up for 24 hours. We didn't even get there yet. She was throwing up all the way there. Oh and what God. we finally realized when I had to take her to a clinic in Arusha um, by myself uh, after two hours was that she was allergic to the malaria med that had been prescribed by the travel doctor, but oh. there was no malaria in Arusha. He's like, I've been, I've been a doctor here for 40 years. I have never once treated a case of malaria. She does not need this pill. Oh, so she shouldn't have go. taken it. So she got it out of her system and she was fine. I hope that was it. Yeah. If she stopped taking it, she was fine. It was just an allergic reaction. That's hilarious. Um, Blue Jays. Are, yeah. we, are we excited? Are we excited about a good year this year? So it's, it's unfortunate that Joe's not here because Joe is a, like, listen, I played baseball till I was 18. I love your stories about baseball because I played in the U S a little bit. I, I had all the rep stories from playing triple a baseball as a kid. So, I mean, uh, like I love baseball too. I a lot of times don't have time to focus on all these sports because my kids now play hockey and all the things. So it's hard for me to watch the playoffs and everything going on. But the Jays just have something special about them this year that I think is uh, pretty exciting. And Joe would, would say the same, I think. Uh, a, I hope so. But B, 
Um, I remember 92 and 93. I was there. Were you, or did you go to those games? You were there? I was no, at I... the Joe Carter home run game, babe. Oh, my God. Jesus. That was insane. My dad had Here's season tickets from his work. And so section 116, row 32. That was me, baby. Pre-net. Oh, pre-net. Oh, very much pre-net. The net sucks. I hate it. Listen, here's my sign a permission. Take down the game. That's right. Sign Sign a permission for it when you come into the stadium. (laughs) Because how the hell can I catch a ball? And Uh, and it sucks my view. If you are not on top of it at a Jays game, get hit face with a baseball, that's on you. Oh, yes. 100%. -hmm. How dare you ruin it for the rest of us? Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. Here's my problem with sports in general. I am back in 92, 93. We had teams that were not, they didn't say stagnant, but they were there for a long period of time. Mm. When you got to love a player, you got to love who they were. You got to, you got to know, you know, that's in sport. Aren't, isn't that what we're connected to? I'm not connected to the Jersey. I'm not connected to the, you know, just the field, mm-hmm. like the style. I'm not, no, I, you got to connect to the player. And if players keep getting traded, like, and it, it's just the nature of what they do and how the business works. I'm getting really frustrated saying this team. Right. Because who gives a shit? What team? What? You're going to be a team until you get a better offer somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm finding it hard. Well, this was my frustration with the the Raptors a couple of years ago. Yes. Wonderful that you brought Kawhi in. Awesome that he was so like, like committed. Yeah, committed right. to the team for that year. And see ya. You know, like that's just shitty. It's just not. It's just shitty. I just feel as though if there's, you know, I don't know. I'm a Blue Jay fan because I live in Toronto, but I can't make a connection to any players. Any like you know, significant players. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Bichette. I love Guerrero Jr. Like, they do put on a bit of a... Well, Guerrero Jr. does anyways. (laughs) Um, And I do like that. I also miss it looking, whether they were or weren't, it looking like they're having a fun goddamn time. Mm. Man, you're playing a sport for a living. Mm -hmm. Crack a smile. Right. Something. I remember watching Cabrera Jr. come at Miggy. You know, Miggy? Oh, yeah. Mickey come in and this guy, I was right behind home plate, like five, ro- five rows up. And this guy chirped Miggy like, so incessantly. I wanted to punch him every time he was up there. Every time he was on the field, this guy never stopping. Anyways, at some point late in the game, the guy knocks a home run. He turns around to that guy and goes, I want that guy. I want that guy. I want the guy who understands you're playing a sport for fun. You're getting paid a crazy yeah. ton of money. You're there for entertainment. Let us see your heart for yes. crying out loud. Yes. I want the Jerry Maguire moment of that football, Cuba Gooding Jr., yes. like all of a sudden connecting with fans. Where did that go? I don't have a problem with celebrating and celebrations like that. Yes. Like, I don't know why we're chastising them for doing home run celebrations. Why do you think the Savannah Bananas are so exciting right now and everyone's all over that? I love that stuff. I drive down in a minute. So I'm all That's in. The road trip that I'm doing is taking my dad to the Field of Dreams, and we're going to go see a Savannah oh. Bananas game. I want to do that road trip. That's that would an be amazing. Awesome. Road trip. 
So yeah, no, um, I'm into, I'm into shoes and we'll just finish off on a couple things. I'm into shoes and, and I know we've been a little bit longer than we normally have, but, um, and and joe's daughter's into shoes now too he she wanted to ask you about your shoe collection um i think we all love your style to be honest like you're just so all over the place like it's 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 so unique and interesting because you just have this really eclectic kind of thing going on which i hope that's a i hope that's a compliment to you because i love it absolutely it's it's you right and that's what's cool about it we're not just like in this box of we have to look this way which is cool um and so um shoe collection wise like what do you what are you focusing on now like what do you like in a shoe are you nike are you adidas are you where are you adidas are more comfortable i find right um i find nike's very flat-footed the problem is nike's look better Uh, totally totally nike does a better job with a shoe so at the end of the day i will give up comfort for aesthetic every time Okay. Uh, it's not like a Nike's uncomfortable. It's just that it's not as comfortable. I 100% agree. Um, so yeah, I'll right now, all I try to do, I try to find color combinations that I haven't seen. I'm, if there's uh, a crossover, I like a good crossover. If it looks cool, mm. like, um, the M&M shoes that I got all four colors, they yeah. were fun. Yeah. Right. If you can do it in a way where it's like, you know, it doesn't, like there's a Chewbacca Adidas did Chewbacca shoes that were furry. I'm like, no. <laughs> I think I saw those. I don't yeah, think they're I odd. They're odd. But you know, like there's certain things that I, I, I just want shoes that I also haven't seen. I try to cap myself. I'm on StockX way too much, <laughs> but I try to cap what I'm willing to spend Fair. only because well, yeah, it can become expensive. Like I've been on there as well and I've missed out on shoes on the initial release and I'm like, okay, I'll just go over here and check and see. And there they are. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, that's a shame. As of late, I'm trying to pick up like unique boots um, or unique more dress shoes that I can then pair with jeans and more fun outfits, but that are just not running shoes, but not a dress shoe, you know? So I try to find things like an Oxford with some wild colors or some maybe some docs although doc hasn't really been as exciting lately things like that Mm. trying to find some shoes from different parts of europe that are just different Mm. cool i love shoes i'm just obsessed my wife's gonna kill me (laughs) i really i'm gonna have to sell some Mm. i just do you wear you actually wear them all or do you actually do you keep any just for like the no you wear all of them i wear all of them i if i get a toy if i have any collectible toys it's they're out of the package oh joe are you listening joe they're all out Joe, Joe is like Joe on the last episode. He got the uh, bobblehead with the Vladdy bobble bobblehead, uh-huh. and he knows how much I love keeping them in packages for future use, like for future value. Okay. He he ripped it all open, and I'm like, oh, Joe, oh my god. You know what? I just don't buy this future value anymore. You know when the future value was when we were kids and we yeah. had all the Star Wars guys and yeah. we had those in packages. Yes. Cool. Yes. But everybody does it now. There's no mm. future value. This is I think you love. See now you guys are convincing me. Joe's also convincing me. I'm coming over to your side of the of the field. I it's can't fine. Play with them. No, I, I get it. The wall of Star Wars. All those new um black line Star Wars figures mm. are amazing. Absolutely amazing. I took them all out. I They're all it. out. I love it. Okay, real quick. Five right. questions Questions. on the all spot, right. okay? And this is uh, Star Wars related, so it's down your alley, okay? Cool. Okay, question one. Yeah. 
who does Princess Leia give the Death Star plans to? Now, do you want a multiple choice? That chick. Do you want a multiple choice? I can give you. Oh, the... well, no, originally she. Oh, no, she gives that to Archie. Who does she give the you Death Star? R2-D2 yes! is not... Ding, ding, ding! R2-D2 is the answer to that one. Well, she gives the message, but the plans, I guess, were encoded in the message. That's that's right. Yeah. And I'm not... I was a- thinking of, to be honest, Rogue One. <laughs> I love how you know more than I do, and that I'm just and, and like reading something off a page, and you're dissecting the whole thing. It's, it's lovely. Um, well, because in Rogue, it was a different scenario. <laughs> I have no... I've watched the movies, don't get me wrong, and I enjoy good cinema, and I love them. But I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not into that as much. So, but anyways, yeah, yeah the prequels are not good. Uh, who is Luke's best friend among the pilots? Ooh, that's a tough one. Red? Isn't his name red? No, wait, wait. What's his name? Cause there was that scene that they took out. I'll give you the, I'll give you the multiple choice to make it a little easier. Cause this is a tough okay. one. Wedge, Leia, Han, or Biggs? Biggs. Biggs. Yeah. Got it. Uh, there, there was a scene with him and Biggs that was cut out and I've seen like that. There was like a joking scene where they, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, three, when rescuing Leia on the Death Star, how many stormtroopers fell? Oh, this is a tough one. Fell off the bridge when Luke shot them with a blaster. Zero, one, two, or five. That's a ridiculous question. I'm going to, I'm going to say five. The answer is actually one, but I'm going to give you a pass on that one because who the F that's, knows that? That's a good one. I like that. I'm going to ask my students there that. They'll be like I'm an idiot. Um, where was the next rendezvous point that Luke told Lando that he would meet him at the end of the Star Wars Empire Strikes Back? Tatooine, Coruscant, Vader's Imperial uh, Cruiser, or Dantooine? Dantooine. Ah, come on. Really? Nope. You're letting me down. It's Tatooine. It's Tatooine. Tatooine. Really? Yeah. Hey, listen, I'm just going by these pieces of paper here. That was hard. That That was hard. That was hard. That was hard. I appreciate that. I appreciate the skill. There you go. Well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. You are an incredible human and someone who is um, making change for real, which is awesome because I think that's the hardest part is that like, it's great to have a voice, but to actually help make change and have the have the platform to do it um, is difficult to find for a lot of people. I think a lot of people have it in their head, but they don't know how to action it. And somehow, with all the things you've done, you've been able to genuinely put it into practice. And um, I cannot tell you how uh, blessed I am to have you uh, just even want to yeah. talk to us. Like it's it's really oh. cool. Um, so thank you, um, and. Um, We'll catch you on the flip side, I guess. Like, we'll see you soon. Thank you, sir.